Hey, uh, we've been doing our overcoming series in October, and who knows that God has called us to be overcomers. And so we are very, very privileged tonight to have Pastor Joel Cave um, speaking to us all the way from Gold Coast. Uh, Glow Church has three locations in Gold Coast, Melbourne and Sydney, and uh, um, I think roughly around 4,000, over 4,000 people come through those doors. So Pastor Joel is an amazing communicator, amazing leader. So come on, would you engage and welcome up tonight, Pastor Joel Cave. Good evening. How you doing? There you go. That's my fault. That's my fault. I'll take the blame for that one. Everyone good? Oh man, I have picked tails straight away. Went down. No good. Jesse, thank you for sharing your story, man. That was amazing. Like that, that kind of stuff. I don't know about you, but that, that takes a lot of courage to get up and share your story. And man, when I saw you up here, I almost didn't believe that that was your story. I just thought, man, this guy looks like he's really got an amazing destiny ahead of him, and I actually believe for the two of you that God's got a great plan for you. He's going to use you to really speak into marriages and speak into purpose in people's life, and I encourage you, don't shrink back for the bigness of God on your life, and just let him use you because you've got a great story to share, and let it out. Let people know about it because people need to hear that stuff, and I don't know where you're at tonight, but we're glad you're in church, and uh, if you're here for the first time, man, I'm glad you're here. I'm here for the first time as well, and I've loved Mother Day. The good thing is I have to speak. You don't have to, so you can just, you know, chill out. Uh, but truly, like, it's been a blessing to be here. And I don't know if we can go for a different vibe for a second, just maybe a bit of a keyboard sort of worshipy feel. But I just got a prophetic word, actually, for you. That's not really working for my prophetic word uh, as much as I want to party with you. Um, this is what I felt like God was sharing in the service to me. Uh, I love your pastors, Pastor John and Danielle. And I think they're amazing people, big capacity. They love people. And I actually was trying to discern tonight in worship, what is God doing at the moment? Like, what is... And I felt actually God give me a picture of the next 10 years for you guys. And I felt like there was two words, and maybe privately I might, uh, you know, with you and John, when, I know he's, uh, he's, he's on his way back from Europe. So, but when you privately I might share maybe the details of this, but I feel like God wants you to hear this. There is a shift happening from a cruise ship to a battleship, from a family to an army. And the next 10 years is going to be a whole different way of thinking and a whole different way of being. And what was is not going to be what, what is. And I felt like I want you to hear this because there is like a stirring in, in the heavenlies and a stirring in a, in a, in a real sense that, that what is the next 10 years is going to look very different spiritually. And, and God is giving you ground and there's no doubt that some things that have been happening will be stirring things up because what's happening is a shift away from what was to what is about to be. And whenever land is involved, whenever possessions are involved, whenever the bigness of God is involved, then I, I, I see a large facility that's not this one. I see it in land. I see buildings. I see, I see God creating like a lighthouse here on the Sunshine Coast that people would come to and they would say that they, they radically had an encounter with God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, right now for C3 Powerhouse, Father, for this church, for Pastor John and Daniel, that God, even as there's a shift, Lord, there's a supernatural shift happening, Father, from a family to an army, from a, from a cruise ship to a battleship, Father, Lord. They can look the same, Father. They can almost appear to have the same purpose. But Lord, one is on mission and the other is, Lord, sometimes wandering, Father. And I ask in Jesus' name, even in this room, bring those people into this house, Father. They're going to, Lord, help steer that battleship, Father. 
bring those people that are going to help see lives change, Lord, not just by ones and tens, but by hundreds, Father. We thank you, Lord, that there's a new season on the horizon, Father. We place a covering of protection over this house and over these pastors, Father, that God, Lord, what is on the way is going to blow their minds, Father. We just thank you, Lord, for supernatural finances, supernatural miracles, Father, Lord, they're going to break open, Lord. And I pray right now, if you're sick in this room, if you've got a physical need in your body, I want you to lift your hands to Jesus, wherever you are. I want to encourage you, the last few months, uh, even in our own church, we've been seeing some amazing miracles. There was a woman just recently, she was told back in April, she had nine tumors on her liver, and, and the doctor said that you, you got three months to live. I want to tell you that only a few weeks ago, she went in, the doctor's report was, it's all clear. There's no more cancer. There's no more in, in her body. And we've been hearing story after story. Of, of things that have been going on and I just have a sense and I have faith in my heart that the presence of God is here to have see miracles break over tonight and I don't know where you're at if you're here and you're sick and you've got like something going on in a specific spot in your body would you put your hand on that or your head or whatever's been going on you know I prayed for this girl recently who has been going through years of mental illness and uh, in, in some other areas that I want to talk through. And I remember I placed my hand on her head and I was praying for her and I felt something I never felt before and it was almost like as I placed my hand on her head it was like I could feel like the pulsing of a wave going through her brain. Like it was like this, almost like, like something was moving. And I said to her, did you feel what I was feeling? Like she was like on the floor, like down. And I said to her, did you feel what I was feeling? She said, she said I can't explain it. It was like, like somebody was like, like, had like one of these like kind of, you know when you're a kid, you play with plasticine and you mold it. I felt like someone took my mind and my brain and just re, like re, refashioned it. You know, she, she is free of anxiety. She's now free of stress. She's free of things. I mean, God can heal anything. Like if there is anything in your world that needs to come to wholeness, I believe that Jesus wants to set you free. So place that if it's on your head, if it's on your heart, if it's on whatever's going on in your world. Come on, we want to pray for you right now. If you, maybe someone's near you right now that that's, needs prayer. Like if, you're a, if you're a girl, look, you know, pray for a girl. If you're a guy, pray for a guy. But come on, let's let's stir up some faith in this room. If you're your first time here to church and you, you're sick, come on. You want to see if God's real? Test Him right now. Come on, see if God will turn up in your circumstances. We declare rather right now in Jesus' name for the healing power of God to flow in this place. We thank you, Lord, that on the cross, Lord, your body was broken, Father. That your stripes, Lord, Lord, have made us clean and forgiven, but Father, also for forgiveness and healing, Father. And we declare in this place, Father, that anyone that is sick, Lord, we speak to cancer in Jesus' name, and we say shrivel up in this place to be nothing, Father. Lord, for those that, Lord, have got anxiety, stress, for back injuries, knee injuries, Father, we say in Jesus' name, heal that shoulder, Father. Healing of asthma in Jesus' name, Lord. Everything that would stop somebody from the fullness that they can live their life to their full potential, Father. We declare right now in this room that Jesus, you are here to heal and to set free and to make whole. And we declare it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 I believe you're healed in Jesus' name. We declare that. And uh, man, thank you for having me here. I'm kind of getting into some ministry action here and I've got to preach about... Man, I'm so glad to be here, blessed to be, humbled to be here. And uh, you live in a great city. And I encourage you, don't ever take for granted living in a great place like the Sunshine Coast. Uh, you could live in a place like New Zealand or Melbourne. <laughs> I was in Sydney and Melbourne this last week. Man, I love, I love living in a warm climate. I love living in Queensland. But honestly, in all seriousness, you're in a great church. If it's your first time here, man, come back next week. Like, you know, like if you've been kind of wondering... You got like a spiritual nomad backpack on and you're going from place to place to place. Stop, stop. 
You need somewhere to hang up your clothes and like, you know, put your tracky pants on and come and be with the family. Like, you know, like be part of the be part of the family. And I, I just want to say humbly, like, man, like I know that God has called me to be a church builder. I'm just I'm here to help build what God's doing here. If I've never met you before, if, if we can just like, you know, skip the introductions and just believe that what, what I'm gonna say is gonna impact your life and that we, we kind of know each other now, okay? So we, we're good to hear God's word. You good good? Okay. I want you to high five three people and I want you to ask them a very important question tonight, okay? Hey, hey, you haven't even. Hey, 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 hang on, hang on. I haven't asked you the question. I know what you're going to. The question is since leaving high school, so some of you in high school, you're, you're out of this, but since leaving high school, have you ever had to use algebra in your life? Go. Ask that question. Have you ever had to use algebra? Thank you, worship team. Wasn't that a lie back at school? One day you're going to need Pythagoras theorem. You're going to need algebra. I've never used it. I don't think I've ever come across it, even when I went to university. So good. Are you happy with who you sit next to? Now's your time to change. You've got about 30 seconds. Outside of that, you're stuck. If you're watching online, get your popcorn out, ready to go. You ready to read the Bible tonight? Yes. Great. I'd love you to uh, take out your phones, take some notes. I think it will really help you. Sometimes you can hear a great message that can inspire you, but if you can't remember it Monday, it means nothing. So I encourage you, sometimes taking notes, going back to the quiet place this week, just you and God together. If it is your first time here at church, I encourage you that I keep coming back to church. And it's a great place. It's a great place to find friendship, community, and purpose, and to find Jesus. And it's a great church here. I'm going to read to you tonight from John chapter 21, verse 1. I'm reading uh, a story that at least in context to it. This is a story, this is post-Jesus rising from the dead. So we know Jesus went to the cross for three days. He, he was dead. He rose again. The power of God uh, is one of the most amazing stories that, that our risen Savior, he rises from the dead. But there's this period of time before he goes back to be at the right hand of the Father. We see Jesus in this gap appear to his disciples in multiple uh, different circumstances. And this is one of those stories, and I believe tonight that we're going to learn something that we can take into our Monday and we can take into the rest of our life that's going to help us uh, to understand more about Jesus and who he is to us. It says this, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way that Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, what a good name, hey? That could be a good name for a young Young boy that gets born soon, Didymus, like Diddy. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now I want to stop the story here because at the moment that's a great story, but the context is crucial. If we remember back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's walking along the beach and he comes along some young guys that are busy in the family business fishing. And Jesus walks into their world and he says, I want you to stop fishing for fish and I want you to start fishing for men. He says, what you're doing there, there is a higher purpose, there's, a, there's something more important. They then outwork the years of ministry with Jesus. They see all the miracles and then they find themselves in a place that right now they don't even realize that Jesus is the one they're speaking to and they aren't quite sure what's going on. But there is this point 
where they were once professional fishermen and somehow they've now ended back being fishermen. Somehow they've had to navigate the story of disappointment for the fact that they were once doing that task, they were called to do something else and now somehow they find themselves back in an old season. I want to pause for a second and I want to say this to you. If you're sitting here, God always calls us forward. He doesn't call us to past things. God is doing a new thing. God is not doing the old thing. And I don't know who's here tonight that maybe you have camped out in a previous season and God's been calling you into something new. And you've been, I just sense in my heart that someone here, maybe you used to be ministry, maybe you used to be an entrepreneur, maybe some life challenges have come along and you stopped believing that you can be what God called you. There was a dream in your heart. There was a destiny that God had in mind for you and you've defaulted back to what's comfortable. But God's saying tonight, hey, don't forget that there's something when you're called to something, don't step back into something because you will find that when you are called into something and you stay in what you were called to, you will also end up like these men catching nothing. These professional fishermen spent the entire night catching nothing. I I know that probably is a good chance I would go out down the road here and go fishing and I would catch nothing because I'm not very good at it. But not professional fishermen. The Sea of Galilee is full of fish. The grace had left their life for this task. But early in the morning in verse 4, Jesus stood on the shore. The, re- the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you got any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. Throw your net on the right side of the boat. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. If you're taking notes, my message title tonight is Right Side Fishing. Right Side Fishing. Here we have a story of some men that have stepped back into a previous season not realizing that even Jesus was present to change the circumstance. These fishermen have spent the entire night at once something they were once extremely good at, coming up empty-handed, coming up exhausted, coming up with a sense of disappointment in their heart, coming up with a sense of how are we going to get through this, getting to a point where there's something in them that would have been so frustrated because they're not seeing the results they once saw. And I wonder in this room if maybe you and I and our lives could possibly relate to these men. There are seasons of our life where it feels like no matter what we do, no matter how hard we try, no matter how many times we take that risk or we step it out in faith, it feels like we're coming up empty. It feels like we're exhausted. It feels like no matter what I'm putting my hands to, I feel like I'm, I'm not getting any traction. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. You've ever felt maybe what these disciples felt like. I don't know if you've ever felt like you're ever going to catch a break. You're like, God, I, I, right now in this moment, I feel like, God, that, are you even there? Like, I've followed you diligently. I've been faithful, God, but I, I don't know if you're there. I'm exhausted. I don't know if the results are ever going to come back. And here's the thing, right, in this story, before Jesus enters the equation, they are empty and they are exhausted. But Jesus turns up when they identify that Jesus is speaking to them. As they look to the shoreline, he says, hey, boys, you're on the wrong side of the boat. 
You're currently on the left-hand side where nothing's happening, but I'm calling you to the other side. I'm calling you to turn your, 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 your nets on the right-hand side. And something happens where Jesus stepping into the equation goes from being an empty net to something they cannot contain. It goes from being a famine to a feast. It goes from a moment in time where sometimes we find that what feels like nothing's happening, Jesus is actually preparing us for something so big and so large that you and I could not even imagine what's on the other side. But I wonder in life if there's too many Christians that tap out at that point and don't realize that God is getting us ready. There's a stretch happening. There's a capacity lifting. There's something bigger on the horizon. And Jesus is waiting for us to get our eyes fixed on Him and off our problems, off our circumstance, off what the world's saying, off what our money situation is saying. He's waiting for us to be like these young men that say, hey, I'm going to fix my eyes on you, Jesus, because you know what? I've been doing things a different way that I should have been doing because I should have been listening to you. He went from saying, get on the left-hand side to the right-hand side. Is anyone here honest enough to say that you know what it feels like to be like these fishermen? Like, you don't have to put your hands up. It's good, but I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I do appreciate it. Have you ever had a season maybe where you feel empty, dry, lonely, hurt, broken? I have many times. Two years ago, uh, maybe a bit of context. Uh, we started the church six years ago. And the first four years of the church, we started with 20 people. And the first four years of the church, it just kept growing. Like it was like this thing was just out of control. It was growing, growing, growing. We got to a point where we opened a building, went to that building, and the building uh, got to two services, three services, four services. And then we're like, okay, what do we do next? We had to knock down a wall and double the auditorium. We got back again, two services, three services, four services. And we got to a point where after... You know, after, after four years, and if you can get the equation in your head, me preaching four times every Sunday times 50, that's like 200 times a year plus everything else I'm doing. Like, I was just exhausted. Like, I was like, God, like, I know you're speaking in the business. Like, everyone who come and visit our church would say, you need to be in a far bigger building. I'm like, I know. It's just we can't find it. Or I know we just haven't got the money for it. Like, I'm hearing you. We're a young church. Like, if you want to send a few million dollars, that'd be great. But at the moment... I get it, but like I know that I can see it in my spirit, but I can't see it in the natural. And I was so gutted. I remember there was one Sunday I walked home from, uh, I didn't walk home from church. Uh, we're not from the 1980s, uh, from the 1800s. I drove home, I got home, and I sat on the couch, and I just said to my wife, I said, Elle, I think I'm done. Like I said, I just, I feel like maybe I'm not supposed to be the God takes this church anywhere forward. And she said to me, She's like, I've never heard you say anything like that. I said, I just don't want to say. I said, I just cannot see what was going on. And it really stemmed from the disappointment of a promise that we had been given from another church that we were about to take over a thousand-seat building with a kids' facility and 11 acres of land. And at the very last moment, the board vetoed this going through. The pastor wanted it to happen, but the denomination head of another denomination, not this, not others, but just something else, basically stepped in and said, we will refuse to give it to your church. And it was the most like gut-wrenching, life-sapping, I couldn't see any potential anywhere. And I said, I, I don't know, I can't, see, I can't see another building, I can't see any land, I can't see any possibility, and I, I don't know if I can do this. I remember, I remember I walked out in the door the next morning and Ellen just gave me my phone and I was like, what's this? And I'm like, hello? And on the other end of the phone was John Cameron. I know you would know John. 
a great friend of this house, great friend of ours, Percy, and he's like, Oi, I hear you've said enough's enough. I'm like, he's like, and then he just started like encouraging me and speaking life into me. And I'll tell you what, it's important you have friends in ministry, friends, friends in life. Eh? And he just started speaking, like, you got this, come on, let's believe together. You know, and I want to tell you that right then and then something magic happened. It didn't. I just was like, okay, God, I'm going to keep trusting. And a few months later, I ended up at a conference in Malaysia. And I was speaking at this conference with pastors. And uh, there was thousands of pastors in the room. And there was this American prophet there called Dr. Michael Maiden. And in the middle of the conference, he just stops this conference and he just goes, you, young man. I was like, yes, I'm still young. He says, yes, young man. <laughs> and he said, he just said, he went through a whole lot of stuff. He, he basically told my story, like without knowing anything about me and just said, there is a miracle building with your name on it. And when you go back home, God's going to release it to you. And he just said, and just stopped the message and just, just like, he's like, I don't know. It, just, it was like this sense of God there. And we just said, in Jesus' name, I release it right now. And it was like, just, this thing hit me. And I was thinking... Um, like I received that, but I know there's nothing. But thank you. Thank you very much. Because I'm a very studious person. I was studying and I knew there was nothing on real commercial, real estate. I knew everything, property. I felt like I knew every piece of paint on every property that was possible. Nothing available. I get home and a few days later, we get a phone call from a real estate agent who says, hey, are you looking for a building? And I said, yes, we are. He said, well, we've just had um, a bounce trampoline factory contact us to say that they have to move out. They only just opened, but another company also opened and they're merging together. And so they've done this massive fit out, but they're looking for someone to take it over. And it's too big for a gym. It's, it's too small for like a you know, shopping center, but it's big enough for possibly a really big church. And, and I said, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate your faith in that. He's not a Christian. I said, thank you for uh, seeing something that we haven't seen yet. And, and he told me how much it was going to cost. And I just said, look, man, it's, it's not possible. And I walked away from that situation thinking like, but I remember there was a word that was brought. And I said, okay, I went back to our church board and I played the message. And then I opened the email and I said, what do you reckon? And they said, well, like nothing like this has come on the market. It's way beyond where we're at. And because we're a six-year-old church, we can't borrow the money. We'd have to raise it. And I just said, well, let's go on this journey. And so we go on this journey and eventually, fast forward the story, a crazy miracle happens to the point where... Uh, I can't go into the detail, but enough to say that a crazy miracle takes place that makes this thing a possibility. And I'm like, I know it's going to be a big stretch. I know we're going to have to raise millions of dollars to make this happen in a very short space of time, but let's see what can happen. And so we get the keys to the building after months and months of negotiating, and we're getting ready to start this fit out. And I decided to take my family, uh, my wife and my three kids, out for a meal to celebrate this moment. And here's the thing, right? Whenever you're going to take ground when it comes to the kingdom of God, the enemy does not like that. And we went out, we went to Taco Tuesday, I remember it. We were having tacos and Mexican together. And uh, my kids love it. And then we got home and I was just kind of hanging out with the kids. And all of a sudden, I heard a scream from our bathroom in our house. And I ran in and my wife was there and she had discovered a tumor on the side, sorry, a lump on the size of her body, which would be about the size of my fist. That's how big it was on the, the scans. And when she, she said, feel this lump, I just was just like, and we knew it wasn't good. And so we quickly called a doctor in our church. The same day that we got the keys for this new miracle building, it's like the enemy said, okay, you want to have a go there? I'm going to have a go somewhere else. I'm going to take you what's most precious to you, your wife. And we found ourselves in a situation where, honestly, it just didn't look good. Three days of scans, tests, doctors, specialists, it comes back on a Friday afternoon and says that your wife has got a tumor. 
and it's the size of my fist. It's flat, but it's the size of a fist. And, and we don't know if it's benign or we, we don't know if it's uh, cancerous. Benign is the kind one. Cancerous is a tumour. But we know that whatever it is, it has to come out and it has to come out urgently because it will spread in your body. And I just thought to myself, man, I feel like the enemy's overplaying his hand right now. Like the same day, could it not be the day after, the day before, the same day we're celebrating God's victory in our life. We're now in a, in a battle of life and death, it felt. And so we had to sit from a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we weren't getting the results back to Monday. I had to preach that weekend. I had the board members and the elders of our church praying. No one else, you know, staff members, no church members. It just was one of those moments that was like, the prognosis was either... Like, it's going to be an operation or it could be a very short amount of time. We just didn't know. And it was the most gut-wrenching, horrific weekend of my life to have to get up and preach the, the love of God and the hope of God. Thinking, I don't even know if my wife will be here at the end of the year. I just remember as I was preaching, I just felt, as I was in that zone of what God had graced me to do, I just felt God just remind me that he, He's faithful. Like, He can heal. He can set free. And on that Monday... We, we get, we, they said, you're going to get a series of three phone calls and there's three different examinations and you're going to find out what's going on. And the first one came back as, it's a benign tumor. The second one said it was a benign tumor. The third one came back, it was a benign tumor. And so uh, it was amazing. I was like, thank you, God, that we knew that this was going to be a different kind of journey, but it was still going to be a very personal journey for my wife. And it was going to require surgery. It was going to require a lot of uh, months of recovery. And so our, our specialist said, I'll tell you what, you guys, I know, are planning to go overseas for a family holiday. Just go away on holidays, and when you come back, we're going we're gonna to take this on. Nothing could change between now and then, but you're better off to go and actually just like, have some family time, and then we'll dive in. And at the same time, we're in the middle of constructing our venue. We're about to plan our church in Sydney. I mean, everything you can imagine is going on, and we're just like, oh, okay. So we end up uh, in England on holidays, and we, we know that the tumor's there. We know that the reality of the situation and one morning that we're on holidays, my wife wakes up and she goes, it's gone. Like she goes, I, I don't know what's going on. She goes, I cannot feel this lump. I mean, it's not like it was going from like that big. I don't know about this big. You can't miss it. She's like, I, I can't find it. And I'm like, are you sure? And she's like, feel it. And I'm like, I can't feel it. I'm like, she goes, she goes, I don't know what's happened. I, said, I, I woke up, it's gone. And praise God, we get back and the doctors do the x-rays and there's not one tiny millimeter of any tumor and they can't work it out. They're like, what? X-ray side by side, and there's nothing gone, zero zilch, not not one, nothing gone. And I got faith to believe in the room. I know there's people that are battling things in the room. That Jesus can shrink what you've got. Jesus can take that thing. And that started a series in me of just like believing. Okay, God, that I don't know what's going on, and we're in the middle of starting in the church in Sydney. I'm going back and forth. We're in the middle middle of this construction thing, and we get to about four weeks out from the end of this construction phase. And like I said, we couldn't borrow the money and we end up in a situation where we, we get a, a bill that's like $300,000 as a final payment. And we had even budgeted double what was the original budget and we still had run out of money. Like we spent millions. And I was like, um, oh God, you got us into this mess. You're going to have to do something here. Like, and I just remember, we were at our, our annual volunteer appreciation night, and we were down at Rabina Town Centre, if you know what that is. And I, I walked out of the movie theatre, and I screamed at the top of my lungs in this public like foyer. And I was like, God, this is your problem. Fix it. Like, sort it out. 
Because the builder's like, we're, we're going to have to we'll stop building tomorrow if you don't pay it. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we'll work it out. I'm thinking, oh, I don't know how I'm going to work it out. God, is your problem. Yeah, the next morning we get a phone call from one of the business guys in our church. Doesn't know anything that's going on, just says, hey, like I've been talking to my taxation agent, there's money. And, and long story short, he's like, by the end of the day, that money ends up in our bank account, $300,000. And we're able to finish our building. At which point, I'm like, I'm ready to tap out. I'm like, I'm exhausted here. Like, I've had to go through this with my wife. We're starting churches. I'm tired. Like, I'm like doing a job of trying to be a senior pastor and a building manager and a project manager and a part-time carpenter. I mean, we're doing everything we can to just get in this building. I'm trying to deal with banks. And I just found myself just at the point of complete exhaustion. And it was in that moment I felt like I knew what these disciples felt like. It was in this moment that I knew there was only one answer to where I was heading. It was Jesus. And if I'm being really honest, I'd taken my eyes off him and I had tried to work things out myself. I had been the doer. I was busy building for him. But I feel like if I was being honest, I had taken my eyes off him. Not necessarily the purpose, but just off him. And sometimes even as pastors, we can spend a lot of time in the doing and forget the why. And I had this moment with God that I'll never forget. The Bible tells us in Revelations that he's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha, he's the omega. So Jesus doesn't see time like we see time. And I had this revelation, I had this vision of Jesus and I saw this timeline of him being four weeks ahead of me. And I was saying, God, I don't know, are we going to even be able to, what's going to happen when we get to that? Are we going to even be able to open this building? Are we going to even make it? Are we going to get there? Because I don't know what's going on. We've lost, you know, everything, all the money's gone and like, I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, we were good stewards, but like we went to the like the nth degree of faith. And I just had this picture of Jesus looking at me and he was like down the track on opening Sunday going, Joel, keep going. Like, I'm here already, and I want to tell you, it's going to be, just keep going. And I just felt Jesus said, look, I'm already here. I already know what's going to happen, and I'm so thankful that you've been willing to take these steps, but just keep going because I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. You're going to love what you're going to see when you get to this point. Just don't stop. Don't stop. And some of you need to hear this, that even if you're in a dry season, if you're in a tough season, if you're in a disappointed season, Jesus said, don't stop. He's there. He's saying, I can see what's ahead. Just keep going. We opened that building, and I remember walking in that Sunday and just thinking to myself, as the mayor of our city was there opening the, the ribbon, we didn't know that that morning that the, the local media and some of the national media was going to be in our building. I don't even know who tipped them off or told them. I think the Lord was a positive one, you know, in that moment. And it just, like, they started talking about this, you know, you may, I don't know if you saw it on, like, some of the news channels and talking about this fastest growing church in Australia. We had the project calling us. We had every major media outlet calling us. We had every newspaper calling us. We had people coming to our building, knocking the door. What is going on in this church? What is going on? Why are all these young people fighting Jesus? What is going on? Why are these drug addicts no drug addicts anymore? I mean, story after story of these articles were coming out about our church. And what went from like what felt like nothing could stop, and there was nothing that was going to, uh, could, nothing could, nothing, nothing was working in a previous season, literally within one single Sunday, Something broke. A little bit like these disciples that went from having empty nets to all of a sudden the nets couldn't contain what was going on. We, we had set up 50 connect groups ready for that new facility to open. We needed 100 new connect groups. 
The church grew in six weeks by 1,200 people. I'm thinking, where did these 200 people come from? Why didn't they come before? And I felt like I said, well, because you were willing to stretch the nets wider, because you took those steps of capacity, I'll fill it. I will fill what you open and what you create. And what felt like a tired, exhausted, disappointed season was actually just God getting us ready. But the key in that was getting our eyes fixed on Jesus. I don't know who I'm talking to here tonight. Maybe you know what disappointment feels like at the moment. Maybe you know what like a shattered dream feels like. Maybe there's been parts of you that have said, I don't know if I can believe it's possible that what I felt that God spoke to me all those years ago in a youth camp, that I've been seeing other people's lives go forward, but I feel like I'm camped out. I didn't see my husband leaving me. I didn't see my wife getting sick. I didn't see my family having those addictions. I didn't see all those things, and yet... I feel like no matter what I'm trying, no matter where I'm at, I feel like I'm empty. And I just feel like tonight Jesus wants to be able to hear this. Would you fix your eyes on him? Would you keep your eyes up? Because what feels like a famine right now is being prepared to be a feast. What feels like something that is fruitless is about to be fruitful. What feels like is a disappointment is about to be a reappointment. What feels like is a broken dream is about to be dreams that you cannot stop. Something happens when we understand there is a process that God is walking us through. And I'm thankful that I didn't give up. I'm thankful that God has been faithful in the stretch, in the faithfulness. I'm happy to report my wife is doing great. She never needed anything. She literally was healed. We've seen so many people's lives in that new venue. And the thing is, I buildings are not what make a church grow. But they are a bigger vehicle to do more things. And I don't think it's wrong to believe for a bigger vehicle to make more of a difference. And I want to encourage you as a church, don't stop believing for a bigger vehicle. Like there's times in your life you've got to step up from the Hyundai gets to the Trago. Because you can get more people on board to do more things. I feel like in that season, I learned what it looked like to go from the left-hand side of the boat to the right-hand side of the boat. And I want to show you something from the Bible in Mark 16, verse 9. So Mark 16, verse 19, at the back there, you're probably going to have to delete that verse I gave you because it's wrong. Sorry, I do that sometimes. Mark 16, verse 19 is what I meant to say to you. There's a reason that Jesus said, go from the left to the right. It says, after the Lord Jesus has spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he was sat at the right hand of God. You need to understand that the word right hand appears 182 times in the Bible. Because that is the place where Jesus sits to intercede for you and I. He didn't ask to go to the left hand side of the boat. He said on the right hand side because something happens that when we step into the zone where Jesus calls us to, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. He's speaking destiny, purpose. He's speaking life over people. And it's at that place of the right hand when I put my, what I thought was once what I could trust. And I look at Jesus and says, now you can trust me. When you understand that God has got a purpose in thinking. I wonder if maybe this room... Maybe the dryness, the disappointment, the hurt you're feeling is simply a matter of the fact that you've taken your eyes off Jesus. 
And I believe today he's calling you to get your eyes off those things and back on him. Because I'm amazed how many people are getting stuck on the left-hand side of the boat in life. It's so easy for us to be stuck in a certain mindset, to be stuck in a small mentality, to be caught up in an offense on the left-hand side of the boat, to be caught up in a hurt or a disappointment and nothing's working, to find ourselves going back on past failures and we just keep fishing in the same place. And Jesus says, get your eyes on me and get to the right-hand side. Even when he addressed these once professional fishermen, he was able to identify what you are doing right now is not working. Something needs to shift. And I believe that some of you need to hear this thought. The things that you right now, you are on the left-hand side of the boat in your life, that hurt, that disappointment, that thing that's been going, Jesus is saying, something has to shift. There has to be a conscious understanding that your eyes must shift away from what is and onto Him. Because you need to understand this, that we can't have a mentality. Where in our life, we will only allow some things for Jesus to be a part of and not all things. Some of you here said, Jesus, you can have my life, but you can't touch my finance. Jesus, you can have my life, but I'm sorry. You can't have that part of the day that I know you desire to spend time with me, but I, I can't give that to you. Jesus, you can have my whole life, but I'm not willing to stop sleeping with my boyfriend or girlfriend because it feels good. Jesus, you can have my life, but I'm not going to stop partying on a Friday night because I love the feeling. Jesus, you can have my whole life, but I'm not going to stop that addiction because I like how I feel. And we say to Jesus, you can have all these parts of me, but we keep some parts of our life to ourselves and we wonder well, when we're on the left-hand side of the boat and Jesus is saying, I want all of you. I want you all in for me. I want your whole life. I want your whole purpose. I want your whole surrender. I want you on the right-hand side. It's in those seasons where God breathes His breath of life. It's in those moments where God says, what was once is no longer because on the other side. And I love it because in the Bible, in 2 Corinthians, I finished tonight. Is that band wants to come and join me. In the message, the Apostle Paul, he speaks a word and he shares that the the heartbeat, he shares the possibility, he shares the kind of thing that you and I should be desiring as believers. He says, dear, dear, Kawana Waters. Sorry, it says, dear, dear Corinthians. Sorry, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness that you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small. If you're watching online, they're not small. But you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly and as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and live expansively. Here's the thing you need to hear tonight, church, because on the right-hand side of the boat, is that there is a sense of change that is exciting. On the other side of the boat, away from the small dreams, is big dreams. On the other side of the boat is a big faith step that God is calling you to bigger destiny. God is speaking to someone here tonight. You were actually called to start a business, but you've been shrinking back. And God says, on the right-hand side of the boat, you can trust me that the dream I placed in your heart is going to come to fruition. Someone here has been saying, man, I just want to meet that special person in my life. It's been too long. I've given up. And Jesus says tonight, on the other side of the boat, get your eyes on me and watch what can happen when that person walks into your life because you put your trust in me. And here's the thing. I want you to listen to this very carefully. For you to truly see God do something you've never seen before, you have to do something you've never done before. 
I'll say it again. For you to see God do something you've never seen before, you partner with heaven by doing something you've never done before. And I wonder tonight, in this space, if God maybe is trying to communicate to some people here that feel a bit broken, hurt, dry, feel like you're coming up trumps, coming up empty when it comes to whatever it is that's going on in your life right now. That God's actually saying, get your eyes off the left-hand side, off man, off those things that you think are the ways that are going to bring that solution. And would you fix your eyes on me? And would you send your fishing rod to the other side of the boat, into the to waters of faith, into the waters of possibility, into the waters of a bigger future that you can only believe for. Hey, in the other side of, hey, the fact that I'm going to forgive that person. Hey, I'm going to let go of that offense. So I'm going to make a choice that I don't have to live the same way. Just because someone in my family has never been to university. Well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fish the other side. I'm going to believe that someone in my family can break that. I'm going to believe that in my family, even though everyone said that we are addicted to a certain substance, not in, no longer I'm fishing from the other side of the boat saying it's no longer in my family line. I'm making a choice that if I fix my eyes on Jesus, there's possibly, would you stand to your feet? I want to pray tonight. And in the short time that we have together, I want you to close your eyes. I'm just going to pray a really simple prayer. A simple prayer, and I want to warn you, is a dangerous prayer. I don't think it's fair that I'd pray a prayer and not give you like the, the, the fine print before I pray it. And here's what I'm going to be praying for. is people here that you know something in your life right now needs to shift. I'm telling you, like you just know that you are, there's something on the inside that is just, you're frustrated you're not satisfied. There's a, there's a deep sense that something's got to change. And it doesn't necessarily have to even be a behavior. It could be just like, you know that there's a bigger thing in your life, but it's just, you're stuck in third gear and you, just, you can't get to that fifth gear. Because I'm about to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask for God to open heaven over this place and that He's going to turn up and He's going to start to speak to you. And He's going to start to download plans from heaven for you. As you fix your eyes on Him, that God's going to start to shift those things in your world. And here's what I found, that when we start to pray these kinds of prayer, not only does it get the attention of heaven, but it also gets the ear of the enemy. Because the enemy doesn't want you living at your full potential. The enemy doesn't want you living at a place where you know that you can overcome those things that others said you could never overcome. And here's what I've found in my life, that you need to remember, no matter what season you're walking into, that the same power that rose Christ from the dead, lives in you and I. You don't have to fear anything. You just have to put your faith in Jesus and say, no matter what's going on, I trust that He has got it in full control. And if tomorrow morning as you start to pray this prayer with me and as you start to to see some things all of a sudden happen, you think, hang on, that's that's a bit weird. That that took place, so that's going on. I'm telling you, you need to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and let Him bring whatever it is that is going on in your world to the full fruition. What feels like it's dry is going to become a rainy season. What feels like the moment is a famine is going to be a feast. What feels like there is no breath attached to it is going to feel like all of a sudden there is the wind of God attached to your circumstance. So with every eye closed tonight, you're saying, Joel, I know, I can identify, I need something to shift in my world. I need to go from the left-hand side to the right-hand side. I need to put myself back under the right hand of the Father to the eyes, of, to, to, my, to the fullness of what Jesus says I am, that wide open, spacious life the Bible talks about. Come on, if that's you, lift both hands to God right now. Come on, hands are going up everywhere. 
because I believe that we need to desire this. That Father, in the name of Jesus, we're not satisfied on the left-hand side. God, we are not satisfied with the status quo. We are believing in Jesus' name that something is going to shift tonight in this place. We ask for heaven to open over this auditorium right now, Father, for those things that have been holding people back, those things that have been stopping, Lord, any small thinking, any offense, anything that's trying to stop the bigness of God, in the name of Jesus, we command in this room, Father, an atmosphere of faith to change circumstances. We thank you, Lord, for men and women in this room that are saying, God, I'm no longer satisfied with what is, but God, I'm desiring what is to come, Father. We declare that in your word, you tell us that you are the Alpha, you are the Omega, Father. You know the beginning and the end, Father. And we choose tonight to walk into all that you have for us. Even though sometimes we can feel like we're dry and hurting, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that in this room, that God, we would step into the fullness of that wide open, expansive life. In Jesus' name, everyone said, come on, amen. Give a shout of praise. Come on, if you mean that, give a shout of praise. Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you close your eyes for a moment? And I know that Sam shared before that we're going to pray at, at, or create a moment for people to have an opportunity to follow Jesus. And I love this story because it was in this moment on the left-hand side of the boat, it was only when Jesus turned up, when Jesus entered the story, that things changed. And tonight, Jesus is entering people's stories right now in this room. There are people here, maybe a friend invited you, maybe you're watching online, maybe you've been coming for a few months and you'll be kind of wrestling this thing out. I think there's a reason that you're here tonight. There's a reason you were brave enough to come to church. There's a reason that you've been kind of thinking through some of the questions you've been asking. And I believe that tonight is your night for you to find Jesus. This is your moment. The Bible tells us in Romans 10 verse 9, that if I believe in my heart and I confess in my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that I will be saved. And in a moment, we're going to pray this prayer a prayer for those that would say, hey, that's me, Joel. I want Jesus in my life. I've been doing life my own way. I've been on the left-hand side of the boat for too long and nothing's satisfying, nothing's working, nothing in my world is what I was desiring even when I was a little kid. But if you're saying what's true, if you're saying that Jesus could turn up and change my circumstance, if He can forgive my sins, if He can bring eternal promises, then I want in. And we're going to pray this prayer. It's nothing weird. I'm not going to, no one here is going to shave your head and put a robe on you and set up a call center around your house. None of those things. We, we literally just in this moment want you to say that I want to receive that free gift of eternal life. I want Jesus in my life. I want to know that he's close to me, that I can call on him. And maybe you haven't prayed this prayer for a long time. Maybe you walked away from God. Maybe you once went to church as a little kid. And as an adult now, you're like, I've done running from him. And wherever you're at tonight, if you're praying that prayer for the first time, we're going to pray it all in a moment. Would you just give me a wave so I know who I'm praying for tonight? Right through this room. Come on. Give me a wave so I'll be praying that prayer tonight. I want Jesus in my life. I'm not leaving here without knowing Jesus is in my world. Hands, give me a wave. Just give me a quick wave right through this person. Say, Joel, that's me. I'm believing in this room. I see your hand over here and over here. Who else saying, Joel, that's me. Uh, anyone here that maybe said, it's, it's been too long. I know that I'm far from God. I once knew him, but I'm, I need to come back to God tonight. If that's you, thank you, sir. I see your hand over here and over here. Who else saying, Joel, that's me. I'm not leaving here tonight without getting my life right. I need Jesus. I need to get back on the right hand. Thank you over here. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you so much. You can put it down. So cool. Come on, church, we're going to pray together. Would you just close your eyes? We're going to pray together. I'm going to say the words, if we can all repeat the words together. At the end of it, would you just join me in giving God a huge shout of praise as we celebrate those people? Come on, it's the year of the party. Let's party for Jesus. Here we go. Jesus, tonight, I invite you into my life. Would you forgive me of all of my sin? And would you take my past 
and exchange it for your future. Because I make a declaration that from this day forward, I am going to follow you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give him a shout of praise. So good. Come on. Man, I love seeing people find Jesus. I've got a saying I love to say all the time, changed lives, change lives. We heard a story about Jesse's changed lives. Let's believe for more together. Let's see more stories. Let's see more ones finding Jesus and making a difference. Pastor Danielle, thank you for having me this weekend. The whole team here, all of you, we just believe in for great things for this church, the best days ahead. And this next decade, get ready as you go from a family to an army and a cruise ship to a battleship. God bless you. Take care. Hey, come on, guys. Can we give it up for Pastor Joel? Such an amazing word. I love that thought, you know, like no matter what you're going through, just fix your eyes on Jesus. You can't go wrong. That's so good. Pastor Joel, thank you so much for your word tonight. I love that thought too, going from a cruise ship to a battleship. I just love how you speak life uh, to, into our church, and we're, we're super excited for the days ahead. It's really cool. Awesome. Can we give him one more hand, guys? That was amazing.